following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. The following message is from our online service of February the 7th, 2021, and is in preparation for our first online communion. We begin with one of the children of our congregation reading Luke chapter 22, verses 1 through 27. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the, scri- and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death. First they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was, one, who was, who was of the number of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the, pre- with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consen- consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Pastor uh, Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They sent him, they said to him, where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat with the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished, prepare it there. And they went and found it as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, he reclined at, the, at table and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is uh, with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which one of them, it could be who was going to do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of, Gentile, of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, le- rather let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For those it is the greater. For who is the greater? One who reclines at the table or or one who serves. It is, is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. 
Again, thank you to Richita for reading the scripture this week for us as we provide some context for what it is we're going to be doing in a, in a little while as we remember the Lord's death uh, by um, partaking of the the elements that he associated with himself and what he did. The Bible um, continu- continually calls us to remember and remembering is an interesting thing. I think a lot of us think of remembering most of the time as a as a passive sort of thing. There's things we remember, there's and things we forget, as if things just kind of float around in in our minds. And actually, the Bible thinks of remembering as something we do actively. It's the act of bringing something to remembrance that we're supposed to be doing on purpose. And so. Throughout the scriptures, God tells his people to remember. And we need to remember so we don't forget. That sounds obvious, but it isn't always obvious. We have to remember so we don't forget. Because when we forget who God is, when we forget what God has done, when we forget what God has done for us, when we forget who we are in God, that affects how we think how we feel, how we live, how we treat one another, and we begin to lose our bearings. It's like the need to ha- when you are hiking in the woods to have a compass, and now people use GP- uh, GPS, because when we're walking in uh, an unfamiliar place, it's very easy for us to lose our bearings, to get lost. If we try to navigate life on based on circumstances, based on our feelings, based on whatever's happening in the moment, we can easily get turned around and we begin to go the wrong way. And so we need to remember. We need to remember so as not to forget. And so that begs the question, when we take communion, what are we remembering? Well, many people would say, the and it is the right answer, And I don't even mean to put up air quotes. It is the right answer. What are we remembering? We're remembering the death of the Lord Jesus for us. And that is correct. But even if we give the right answer, are we truly remembering? Because when we remember the Lord's death and remember it in the way that he called us to remember it, are we actually remembering the things that we're supposed to remember? So everybody has a birthday every year. In some cultures, that birthday is is associated with celebrations, and we do those celebrations. And at in our fellowship, we tend to take time on Sundays to point out who had a birthday this week, and we'll often sing Happy Birthday to them. But are we actually remembering that person's birth? It's nice to, some people don't like being fussed over. They don't like being pointed out, but many people appreciate the acknowledgement. But most of us don't know the what it is we're celebrating. Oh, we're, it's that person. It's the fact that they came into the world. But most people, we don't know their story. We don't know the story of their birth. We don't know the circumstances surrounding how it was that they came into the world. I know we all came into the world based on some similar circumstances, 
But many of us have some very interesting stories. Um, as you know, we have 10 children and we celebrate all their birthdays, but we don't always take the time to remember that two of our children, um, one, we anticipated some difficulties uh, physically and mentally before they were born. And thankfully, after they were born, they were there was there was nothing wrong with them. But we were led to b believe that there could have been some serious issues. And so we don't know to this day if the tests were wrong um, or if God healed them uh, before they were born. But wouldn't it be worth remembering that and celebrating the miracle of their birth in particular? Everyone, everyone's birth is a miracle. Nobody's an accident. Everybody is here. Everyone who's here that's here is because of God and his, his miraculous bringing us into the world. Then another one of our children, when they were born, um, and without getting into the whys and wherefores of how it happened, they weren't breathing. And, it was, and we actually had friends with us in the labor room who we invited in. It's something that we started doing later on uh, in, in the succession of our, our children's births. And one of, one of the women with us in the labor room was one of our church's intercessors. And I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't going to share this detail. I could feel myself starting to cry. And so as soon as we saw what was going on, they took the child over to work on another corner of the labor room. This intercessor fell on her knees as she cried out to God that they would, that our child would be okay. And she was, and she was perfectly okay. But it was a very scary few minutes as she was not breathing. And do we take the time every time when we sing happy birthday to them? Do we take the time to remember the miracle, particular miracle of their birth? And I wonder how many things we remember, but we don't remember. We remember as if we're just checking the thing off the off of uh, the, checking it off a list. Yeah, remember that. And I know as we take time to to take the elements. Uh, this morning, I've got my unleavened bread, matzah over here, and I've got a cup of, of, of juice with me, and we'll be taking, we'll be doing that in a few moments. And we, we try our best to take time, recite some scripture, but are we really remembering what the Lord did for us? And so I'd like to take a few moments to talk about what it really uh, was that he did. Yes, he died for our sins, but there's much more to the story than that. And especially in the context of when it was that he uh, left for us this ceremony that we're going to be uh, doing in a few minutes. So as we just saw in the scripture, and we, we have accounts of what's called the Last Supper in the four Gospels, this was not Jesus, just, it wasn't just his final meal. It was his final Passover. Every year since the time of Moses, Jewish people all over the world have been engage, engage a ceremonial meal. And it's not, it's ceremonial, but it's a full festive meal to remember the the greatest event prior to when Jesus came in biblical history and in Jewish history. And that was the rescue of the people from 
slavery in Egypt. And every year God commanded that the people should take unleavened bread and bitter herbs and remember and not forget that we were slaves in Egypt. And if it hadn't been for God rescuing us, we would still be slaves in Egypt. And every, eventually, I don't know when all the various aspects of the ceremony came to be, but it's very likely at the beginning of Jesus' time with his disciples, they would point at the at the matzah, the unleavened bread, and they would say, this is the bread of affliction that our forefathers ate in the land of Egypt. This bread is was the most powerful symbol in the hearts and minds of the Jewish people, in the hearts and minds of Jesus himself, in the hearts and minds of his disciples. They understood that this was the symbol of their deliverance from that horrific hundreds of years in slavery um, oppressed by the e- by evil taskmasters and that God in the midst of that would bring us out in his power to freedom. And every year, Jewish people still all around the world celebrate our liberation by partaking, by, by partaking this very, very uh, simple bread. And what it means to Jewish people today meant to the Jewish people surrounding Jesus at the table on that uh, unusual, unique Passover celebration that evening. By the time of Jesus and his disciples, and in the time period that we call the first century AD, the Passover celebration had taken on another layer of meaning. In its original um, institution, when God told Moses to tell the people to do this every year, it would mark our liberation, as I've already said. But through the centuries, the people of Israel would go through many ups and downs. And by the time of the coming of Jesus, the Jewish people had been living under foreign oppression for hundreds of years. They were back in their own land after being exiled, and they came back from Babylon hundreds of years before. But when they came back from Babylon, they came back only because they had the permission of the Persian king. They did not have full freedom. They did not have full liberation. They weren't slaves, but they were exiles under uh, foreign domination, and they were given permission under Persian domination to return, and a minority returned. And then they built up the, the land. And after the Persians were the Greeks, and they were the, the caretakers and the new bosses in the land of Israel. And there was a short time under the Greeks. There was some independence for about 150 years under the Maccabees. But then the Romans took over. And the Romans were ruthless in their oppression. They gave permission for the Jewish people to follow their religion. But they were only allowed to because, because the emperor gave God's people the permission to follow their God. Isn't that nice? Well, it is a little nice. But here they were. We were in our own land under Roman domination with Roman soldiers ready to crucify us, 
if we if we um, tried to rebel, we had to pay uh, all these onerous taxes to them. And all around was the reminder that there was something wrong between us and God because the because foreign uh, rulers were running the show in our God-given land. And so by the time we get to uh, Jesus' last Passover, the Passover celebration, the celebration of liberation, had two aspects to it. It had the aspect of remembering the exodus from Egypt, that we rejoice that we're no longer slaves to Pharaoh. But because of the ongoing centuries of foreign oppression, it became a celebration of anticipation of when the Messiah would come, who would finally release us from the new Pharaoh, in this case, um, Caesar. And so as this matzah, this unleavened bread would be partaken, and the cups of wine, there were four cups of wine by the time of Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, we see two of them. The other Gospels, it looks like there's only one, but there were four, and each one of them had a meaning. And Jesus took one of those cups and he applied it to what he was doing for them and for us. But so when when Jesus took the matzah, the bread of affliction, the bread of liberation, and he said, he said, this is my body which is broken for you, they would understand that he himself was the new liberator who was going to release them from oppression. And there was so much that they didn't understand. They thought their only problem was the Romans, foreign domination. They didn't understand that the biggest problem was the power that was that was um, that was behind Caesar's power, which would be the devil himself, and through sin, that tendency we have to turn away from God, that these were the things that were entrapping us. The people, Jewish people of Jesus' day, thought the Messiah was going to come and simply relieve them of Roman oppression, and that was why the disciples had so much difficulty with some of the things that he was teaching. They didn't understand that he had come to do better and more than anything that they had been anticipating. He wasn't going to uh, relieve them of, uh, in the moment of Caesar's oppression, but he was going to break Caesar's power because he was going to break the power of death. And he was going to break the power of death by breaking the power of sin. And this is what we celebrate when we take the bread and the cup in what we now call communion, we are celebrating our liberation from the the worse oppressor than Pharaoh. The Pharaoh was nothing compared to the, the domination of the devil. And what Jesus has done for us in his being the greater Moses, the greater David, the greater prophet, the greater everything, he has come to set us free from sin and its effects. So are we remembering? Are we remembering what he has actually done for us? Or is this simply remembering we have things in Canada like Remembrance Day, so important, and many of us wear poppies, lest we forget. But are we remembering? Are we filled with gratitude that people gave their lives so that we could be free in a country like Canada? Do we actually go through the process of remembering um, what we have been blessed with because of what 
other people have done, many people do, and some of you who are watching now, um, part of this online service, you take very serious time. You were part of that solution. We remember people like you, and, and we seek to take the time to honor those who have sacrificed themselves for our freedom. And that's what we are doing when we take communion. There's so much theological um, wondering and, and talk about um, how the taking of the bread and the drinking of the cup affects us spiritually. And there's been so much thought about that. But what I want to share with you this morning is however this thing actually works in, in, in the unknown part of, of, of life, the, in the God's area of life, and how, you know, what difference this really make for us, I want to share with you that it doesn't do much if we're not really remembering what he's done for us. And that includes, have we really accepted we ourselves individually accepted that Jesus allowed himself to his, for his body to be broken on our behalf? Have we grappled with the fact that he took, allowed rather, his blood to be spilled on our behalf? Jeremiah chapter 31 talks about the blood of the new covenant. And this is what he talks about, that God has made a commitment to us due to the shed blood of Jesus that was spilled on our behalf. And that's his commitment that he will never leave us or forsake us. But when we drink of this cup, are we drinking it as people who have received the meaning of that blood? Or are we just going through the motions? There's a dire warning in 1 Corinthians about uh, taking it in a manner that is illegitimate and the negative effects that that has on us. And so first and foremost, do we take the bread and the cup as those who have put their trust in Jesus? If you have never done that before, I encourage you to do that now. You don't have to go through some grand ceremony. You, you simply have to say to God, I have sinned, forgive me for my sins, and I trust that what your son has done for me is sufficient to forgive me of all my sins so that I could spend eternity with you. And I trust, even though it might be hard to believe, but I will put my trust in his resurrection, that he has conquered death on my behalf. He didn't just die. He didn't just, he didn't stay dead, but he came back to life again. And he, and I receive the, the resurrection life that he has bought for me. I receive that by trusting him. That, that's what faith means, putting my faith in him, trusting in him, that his life is now my life. And I, give myself to you that I will do whatever you want me to do from this moment forward. If you've never done that before, please do it now. Do it now before we partake of the bread and of the cup. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love and for your goodness. We pray that you would make 
what we've been talking about real in our lives. Lord, through something that wasn't such a big deal earlier on, I demonstrated how imperfect we are. And you have made, you've done all that we need to deal with everything that's wrong with us. Lord, some of us have never admitted to anybody the true nature of our sin. Lord, there are things in our lives that have never come into the light. May that change today, O Lord, that you would enable us to be free as we bring our sin into the light and allow you to apply the blood of your Son to our hearts and lives that we would be free. Please, Lord, we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca Thank you.